0: 1 Samuel chapter 14. And we're going to be dealing with this a lot. So when I finish reading the text this morning, you might just want to mark your place because we're coming back to this passage. Going to read several scriptures out of this chapter. Trying to give us a background and an understanding of what's going on. 1 Samuel chapter 14. Verse 24. The Bible says, And the men of Israel were distressed that day, for Saul had adjured the people, saying, Cursed be the man that eateth any food until evening, that I may be avenged on mine mine enemies. So none of the people, tasted any food, and all they of the land came to a wood, and there was honey upon the ground, and when the people were coming to the wood, behold, the honey dropped, but no man put his hand to his mouth, for the people feared the oath. But Jonathan heard not when his father charged the people with the oath. Wherefore, he put forth the end of the rod that was in his hand and dipped it in a honeycomb and put his hand to his mouth, and his eyes were enlightened. Then answered one of the people and said, Thy father straightly charged the people with an oath saying, Cursed be the man that eateth any food this day. And the people were faint. Then said Jonathan, My father hath troubled the land. See, I pray you, how mine eyes have been enlightened because I tasted a little of this honey. How much more if haply the people had eaten freely today of the spoil of their enemies which they found. For had there not been now a much greater slaughter among the Philistines? I I know you're standing, and I don't want to spend too much time before I let you be seated, but I do want to remind you that King Saul was not known for being a spiritual man. He was not known for being a man with insight into the mind and will of God. Saul tended to do things based on his own logic, his own ideas. Saul pursued his own will. Never really cared much about the things of God. Jonathan seemed to be different. I will tell you that it is very clear in this passage that Jonathan was using more wisdom than his father. We'll say more about that in just a moment. But I want to again call your attention to what Jonathan said in verses twenty nine and thirty. After they told him that the father had that, that his father had bound him with, with bound them with an oath, and said, Anybody that eats is cursed. Jonathan replied, my father has troubled this land. He said, just look at me. All I had was a little bit of honey. And it gave me strength. And it helped me in my battle. And then in verse 30, he said, how much more? If you men were not on this forced fast, if you were allowed to eat, how much greater a victory would we have today? So I want to talk to you for a while today from this thought, full enough to fight. full enough to fight. Let's pray and ask the Lord to help us today. I really do need his touch. I want God to touch each of us today. I want God to speak to our hearts. Let's everybody pray together right now. Lord Jesus, God, I need you today. I need the help of God. I need the strength. You. I pray, oh, Lord, help me to deliver. You've been dealing with me about all week. Help me, oh, God. Break the bread of life. Help me, oh, God. In Jesus name, in Jesus name, let's worship the Lord. Let's worship the Lord. Let's worship the Lord. Let's worship the Lord. may be seated now the text that i've read today is actually a recounting of what amounts to the end of a battle that had begun several verses prior to where we join the story in my text And in order for us to really get an idea of all that is transpiring here, I'm going to ask Brother Goff to go back and start reading in verse 6. And we're going to read all the way through verse 16. But this gives us the basis for the things that we read about in our text. It gives us a little better understanding. Of all that was taking place here. So, Brother Goff, if you would, 1 Samuel chapter 14, verses 6 through 16. Let's read along in our Bibles.
1: And Jonathan said to the young man that bare his armor, Come, and let us go over unto the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. And his armor-bearer said unto him, Do all that is in thine heart. Now
0: now, now let me me just interrupt and tell you that what we find here, Jonathan and his armor-bearer are off by themselves. And there are Philistine soldiers that are there. Jonathan is far, far outnumbered because, as I said, it's just him and his armor-bearer. Many historians will tell you that the armor-bearer didn't carry his own weapons. He was there to assist the soldier. And so these two men were sorely outnumbered. But we see in Jonathan a faith. This is why I said earlier, he is much wiser than his father. And I submit to you much more in tune with the mind of God than Saul was. Jonathan said, let's go and we will discover ourselves unto them. Now we'll read that in verse 8, but... He said, let's go. Me and you, we're just gonna go and we're gonna take on this army, just the two of us. And the armor bearer said, let's do it. Jonathan expressed a faith when he said, there's no restraint for the Lord to save by many or by few. God doesn't care about the number because God and anybody makes a majority. In fact, God without anybody makes a majority. Well, hallelujah. And as long as God is fighting, there is no enemy that stands a chance. Well, praise God. And so the armor bearer felt that faith and I believe had faith both in Jonathan, his leader, and in the God of Israel. And he said, let's go. Do what's in your heart. I am with you. I'll fight with you. I'll fight for you. I'm going to be there to defend you. We're going to do this thing together. Hallelujah. Amen. And so let's pick up in verse 8
1: Then said Jonathan, Behold, we will pass over unto these men, and we will discover ourselves upon unto them. If they say unto us, Tarry, we come to you, until we come to you, then we will stand still in our place, and we will not go up unto them. But if they say unto us, Come up unto us, then we will go up, for the Lord hath delivered them into our hand, and this shall be a sign unto us. All right, and so so
0: they, they actually are in the crevice of some rocks. They're hiding here. In fact, uh, I read an interesting story that during, during the six-day war in Israel in the 60s uh, that uh, the Jews uh, who were under attack, a general found himself in this same location and in the same situation as Jonathan And he was trying to figure out what he was going to do. And and that evening, while he was rehearsing the matter and trying to study, he pulled out the scriptures and read the story. And he said, it worked for Jonathan. I'm gonna give it a try. And, And history tells us that the same God that fought for Jonathan fought for this general as well and brought a victory for him just like he did for Jonathan. Amen. But Jonathan... Jonathan said we're going to come up out of these rocks we're going, to, we're going to come up out of the crevice And let them know we're here And then we'll wait and see what they've got to say And if they say you stay right there Then, then we're going to be in trouble but, but if they tell us to come unto them We're going to take that as a sign That God's going to go with us And we're going to have victory in all of this
1: All right, read both of them discovered themselves unto the garrison of the Philistines. And the Philistines said, Behold, the Hebrews come forth out of the holes where they had hid themselves. And the men of the garrison answered, now, Jonathan... Now, no,
0: no, no, again, hang on just a moment. Where they had hid themselves. Look, I'll point out to you in a few minutes that the whole army of Israel was in hiding. This is kind of a... I mean, this is kind of where they were, obviously... Saul and his leadership wasn't bringing a whole lot of boldness and faith to the army of Israel because this is 1 Samuel 14 you get over just a couple of chapters and, and they're hiding again they're scared again when Goliath comes out against them and, and, and so this, this army's just they're just they're, they're not a very brave army at this moment and the Philistines comment oh the Hebrews have been hiding And now, now they're going to show us where they're at. They're coming up out of these rocks and these holes where they've been hiding.
1: All right, read on. And the men of the garrison answered Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, come up to us.
0: Come up to us. The very thing Jonathan was waiting to hear, that's what came out of their mouths. Come up to us.
1: And we will show you a thing. We're going to
0: show you a thing.
1: And Jonathan said unto his armor bearer, come up after me, for the Lord hath have delivered them into the hand of Israel.
0: Yeah, Jonathan said, come on, God is about to show them a thing. Hallelujah. They think they're going to show us something. We're about to show them something because God is on our
1: side. Read. That's right. And Jonathan climbed up upon his hands and upon his feet and his armor bearer after him. And they fell before Jonathan. And the
0: Philistines fell before Jonathan.
1: And his armor bearer slew after him. And his armor bearer slew after him. And after that first slaughter, which Jonathan and his armor bearer made, was about 20 men. 20 men. Within, as it were, at half acre of land, with a yoke of oxen might plough. And there were trembling in the host, in the field, and among all the people, the garrison and the spoilers, they also trembled. And the earth quaked, so it was very great trembling. And the watchmen of Saul and Gibeah of Benjamin looked, and behold, the multitude melted away and they went on beating down one another.
0: And so here's what happened. Jonathan and his armor bearer come out, and they slay these 20 men, just the two of them, and they take down 20 men, and it puts fear into the heart of the enemy as they see it. And the Bible says they go out, amen, beating down one another. There is a victory that's starting to take place. Now, I'm going to tell you that this victory... This victory begins to put some confidence in the hearts of the soldiers of Israel. The army of Israel sees what's going on. They see the Philistines fleeing. They see the Philistines stumbling over each other, tripping over one another, trying to get out of there. And all of a sudden, they get some courage. And they decide we're going after them too. Verse 23, let's skip down now We're getting down close to
1: our text Verse 23 So the Lord saved Israel that day The Lord saved
0: Israel that day
1: The battle passed over unto Beth-Avon I'm
0: telling you, God stepped in and performed a miracle God created, amen, a victory When it looked like there couldn't be any victory Because listen to me, there can't be a victory If people are not willing to fight Oh, I hope somebody's going to help me here this morning. As long as the church, look, God was ready to bring the Philistines down. It wasn't a matter of them waiting on God. God was waiting on them. God was ready to defeat the Philistines, uh, but he couldn't find anybody willing to get up and fight. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. God needed some warriors. God needed some people with a backbone willing to take on the armies of of the Philistines. And all it took was one young man and his armor bearer. And suddenly, suddenly, God began to respond. And the Lord, not Jonathan, but the Lord saved Israel that day. God's the one that brought about the victory that day. Hallelujah. Now, I said I was going to show you these Philistines, the reason why they said these Hebrews are coming out of the rocks where they're hiding. The reason they said that's because that's exactly what was going on. Uh, we back up. That was verse twenty three we just read. Back up to verse twenty two. First uh, Samuel fourteen, verse twenty
1: two. Likewise, all the men of Israel, all which, the men of Israel, which had hid themselves, had hid
0: themselves in Mount Ephraim.
1: When they heard that the Philistines fled, even they also followed hard after them in so, the battle. So
0: that the whole army was hiding in the mountain until Jonathan got some courage and Jonathan went after them and Jonathan began to defeat them God helping him to do it and then the rest of the Israelites came out of their place of hiding then the rest of the Israelites began to fight and it was then that verse 23 tells us that the Lord saved Israel that day amen it was then when finally there were some people that got enough gumption about them to come out of place of hiding and say we're not taking this anymore we've got the enemy on the run we're not going to give up now we're not going to quit now now's the time to fight like we've never fought before now's not the time to pull out the hammock and go to sleep now's not the time to lay back and rest now's not the time to go into hiding now's the time to fight And the Lord saved Israel. He saved Israel. Now, it's interesting, the wording here, because he saved Israel, but he didn't completely defeat the Philistines. He kept Israel from being defeated. But as I said, we don't have to go very far at all in this book until we find the Philistines back at it again. And this time, they brought some help. This time, they got Goliath out there. But I'm telling you that in chapter 14, I believe, Brother Goff, they could have been defeated then. And chapter 16 might never have happened. If they only would have done what they needed to do. Back in chapter 14. Well. But see there was a problem. There was a problem. They were hiding. But they weren't hiding. Only because they were afraid. There was another issue at hand. There was something else going on here. Which brings us to our text verse 24 First Samuel 14 verse 24
1: and the men of Israel were distressed that day for Saul had adjured the people saying cursed be the man that eateth any food until evening
0: now 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 look i've i've read these out of order trying to show you things maybe it'd be best if we read them in order so you can really get the picture so i didn't i didn't print them out this way but But read verse 22, and then verse 23, and then verse 24. So you're going to have to kind of flop around there on the page is the way I printed it. But I want you to get this. I want you to see it in order, the way that it's written. All right, start with verse 22.
1: Likewise, all the men of Israel, which had hid themselves in Mount Ephraim, when they had heard that the Philistines fled, even they also followed hard after after them in battle. So the Lord saved Israel so that day. So the Lord day. saved Israel that day. And the battle passed, and over, the battle unto Beth passed Avon. over unto Beth-aven and the men of Israel were distressed. And the men of Israel day. were
0: distressed. So here's the point.
1: God saved Israel
0: from being destroyed. But they are in pursuit of the Philistines. They are trying to chase them down now. They finally got the backbone and the will to fight. They're coming out of their hiding. They're chasing the enemy. But they are distressed. They're not able to fight the way they should. Read. Why?
1: For Saul had adjured because the people. Because
0: Saul had adjured the people.
1: Same curse be the man be the that man eateth any food until evening. That
0: eats any food. Until evening
1: That I may be avenged on my enemies That
0: I may be avenged on my Here's here's a big problem Saul's not seeing the armies of God You'll remember when David comes out Two chapters later to fight Goliath The thing that upset David Was not that Goliath was making fun of David It was that he was defying the armies of Israel He was cursing God's people. That's what upset David. Saul's not upset at what the Philistines are doing to Israel. Saul's upset at the way he's been treated. This is all about Saul. And so Saul's not trying to find the mind of God. Saul's not trying to ask for God's help. Saul's trying to figure out what's the best way for him to win his own victory here. And so he decides that it's best if these men don't eat. So curse be any man that eats any food till evening. So that I can be avenged on my adversaries.
1: Read. So none of the people tasted so any So none food. of the
0: people tasted any food. And so here they are. Here they are. They've got victory within their grasp but they haven't eaten. And so the Bible says they're distressed. Wouldn't you be? Yes, sir. They're out there trying to fight. That's no easy task. They're not playing charades here. This is not a card game. They're not sitting down at a checkerboard. This is a battle. It's kill or be killed. But they haven't eaten. They want to win They got the will to win They got the desire to win But they don't have the strength To win What a foolish Command Saul gave that day To expect men To be able to fight Without any food Now What's amazing in all this, Saul gives this command when just moments later they're going to walk into a place where God has miraculously provided them with sustenance. What they're about to find is not natural, it's miraculous.
1: Read verses 25 and 26. And all they of the land came to a wood. They came
0: to a wood.
1: And there was honey upon the ground. And there was honey
0: on the ground.
1: And when the people were coming to the wood. they came into the wood. Behold the honey dropped. The honey was
0: dropping.
1: But no man put his hand to his
0: mouth. mouth,
1: For the people feared
0: feared the oath. Do you understand what's going on? They're fighting for their lives all around them. This is miraculous. You don't just find honey just on the ground. Honey just flowing like this. I mean, it just doesn't happen that way. You might find a, you go out into a wooded area, you might find a honeycomb here or there, but you don't find honey everywhere. But they did. This was miraculous. God had provided them the sustenance they needed, but Saul in his carnality said, You're not going to eat. They walk in and here's food. And they refuse to eat. They'd been told not to. There was only one warrior that ate that day. Only one. Let's read verse 27.
1: But Jonathan heard not when his father Jonathan charged.
0: Didn't hear oath. this oath.
1: Wherefore he put forth so the end of the rod. Using wisdom,
0: looks around, and he said, Man, honey. It can't get any better than this. I need something to give me strength to keep fighting. Remember, he'd already killed 20 men. He's weak. He's weary. He's been fighting hard. And he looks down. Wow. Just what I need right now. And he takes his rod and he sticks it into a honeycomb and he gets some honey and he brings it up to his mouth. And oh, the Bible says, I, I'm, I'm telling you the story. You're supposed to be reading. Read, 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 read. And his eyes were enlightened. And his eyes were enlightened. He's no longer weak. He's no longer weary. There's strength that comes upon him. He's refreshed. He's ready to fight on. Now, he's killed 20 men. The others have been hiding. But they're starting to do battle now. Jonathan, in his weariness, in his weakness, takes in just a little bit of food and suddenly feels that surge of energy and says, I can fight on for a little while now. I got some strength. I've got some food in me. I believe I can go back at it. I believe I can work a little bit more. I believe I can swing the sword for a little while longer because I got some food in me. I got some strength. I got some sustenance. Now, to me, this shows a valuable lesson. You can't win against the enemy when you haven't eaten. You can't win a fight when you're empty. Well, Jonathan confirms this. Let's read on verses 28 through 30.
1: Then answered one of the people and said, Thy father straightly charged the people with an oath.
0: So they're going to get on to Jonathan. Here they are hungry. Here they are weak. Here they are weary. Jonathan's the only one doing the smart thing. And they want to correct him. Your father told us not to do this.
1: Read. Saying, Cursed be the man that eateth any food this day. And the people were faint.
0: Now, 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 hang on. Why didn't Jonathan hear this oath? Because he was out there fighting. He wasn't there hiding with the rest of them. He was out there fighting. So he didn't hear this foolish oath that went on. And it's a good thing he didn't. There wouldn't have been any victory that day. There would have been no victory that day had Jonathan been bound by this same oath. But Jonathan didn't hear it. And Jonathan did the smart thing. Jonathan did the wise thing. And Jonathan ate. And because he ate, he could keep on fighting. And hear these men say, your father said, cursed is the man. Cursed is the man that eats. And the Bible says, and the people were faint. They were about to drop. They'd fought as long as they could fight. They'd given it everything they could give it. They didn't have any strength left in them.
1: Read. Then said Jonathan. Then said Jonathan. My father have troubled the land. My father
0: has troubled this land.
1: See, I pray you. Don't you see? How mine eyes, how have, my been eyes have been I enlightened? Because I have tasted a little honey.
0: Because I ate just a little bit. Don't you see the difference? How, Can't you tell? I'm not like you. You're about to fall over. You're about to pass out. I'm ready to fight. You know why? Because I ate just a little bit. Um,
1: um, uh, yes, Read. How much more if haply the people had eaten freely today of the spoil of their enemies which yeah, they had found. As they are chasing the Philistines out of their
0: camp, the Philistines are leaving food behind. They're leaving their their, their grub behind, their meals behind, and the Israelites are looking at it. You know what it's like to be fasting? You know what it's like to be on a fast, and you get to work, and everybody else has got their lunch pails out? You know what that's all about? Some of you don't. You ought to try it sometime develop character in you, praise God. So So they're running through the camp and they're swinging the best thing swing. Probably can't quite catch up. Cuz they just don't have the strength and all the while they're seeing all this food and not a thing they can do about it. Cuz they're trying to fight while they're empty. You can't win that way. You can't win that way. Now, they had God fighting for them. And God saved Israel. And God chased the enemy away. But Jonathan asked how much more of a victory would we have had if you'd have been able to eat while you were on the run? If you'd have been able to grab a few bites along the way and get some strength and some nourishment. As you chase the Philistines, read.
1: For had there not been now a much greater would slaughter? there not have been a much greater slaughter among the Philistines?
0: Now Jonathan had not eaten a lot, but he had eaten. And I'm telling you that if you're going to win, you got to be full enough to fight. Yes, sir. You got to be full enough. To fight I'm telling you today That the Lord saving Israel Doesn't necessarily mean they won Really, you could call it a draw. The enemy's running from them, but the enemy comes back just a few days later. They didn't really accomplish much of a victory. They killed a few, and they put the rest to flight, but they didn't put them to flight far enough. And I'm here to submit to you that had they been eating along the way, if they'd have had some strength, if they'd have had some sustenance, amen, I'm telling you, the, the Philistines, may. Have never showed up in chapter 16. They may have defeated them fully. They may have put them away completely. He meant while God was fighting for them, if they would have had the strength to fight for themselves. Hallelujah. And so, if we just follow this Line of thinking that Jonathan vocalizes. He said, I only ate a little. And if you'd have been able to eat some along the way, wouldn't we have had a greater victory? I'm telling you, if they'd have started out that day full, they probably would have put an end to the enemy altogether but you gotta be full enough to fight my point today saints of God I think you get the idea we can't win if we're empty we are not gonna be victorious in this spiritual battle in which we find ourselves if we don't stay full Now let me just tell you, and this is not going to come as a shock to most of you, but let me tell you today, we are engaged in a fierce spiritual battle. I want you to hear your pastor today. I want you to listen to what I'm telling you today. Amen. If you haven't recognized it yet, and I know some don't. Some think it's just me. It's just me. Why am I going through all this? You don't realize it's not just you. This entire church is under major siege right now. The enemy thinks that we're all going to go hide in a cave somewhere. That we're going to give up as we've done many times in the Past, but I'm calling on the truth church today. I'm telling you, God is ready to fight for us, and He is fighting for us, but there's something we gotta do, we gotta get full. We're gonna have to be full enough to fight for ourselves. Our enemy is not the Philistines. And believe it or not, our enemy is not our co-workers. It's not our family members. It's not other people in the church. It's sure not your pastor. No, sir. Though the devil would like to convince you that anyone or all of those are the enemy you're fighting right now. And I'm here to tell you that's not the case. Paul told us who we're fighting. In Ephesians chapter six, he writes to us in verse 12
1: and says this. For well, we wrestle not against not flesh wrestling. and blood.
0: We're not wrestling. We're not wrestling against flesh and blood
1: but against... Wait, 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 wait,
0: wait. I want to stress that. We're not wrestling against flesh and blood. It's not flesh and blood. It's not flesh and blood. It's not flesh and blood. Somebody hear me today. It's not flesh and blood. It's not that person on the job. It's not that neighbor. It's not that relative. That's not who you're fighting. The devil may be using them. The devil may be putting thoughts in their mind. The devil may be putting words in their mouth. But that's not your enemy. We're not wrestling against flesh and blood. Who are we wrestling against? but against
1: principalities, principalities against powers, powers. Against the rulers, rulers of, the of the darkness of this world, of this world. against spiritual, spiritual wickedness, wickedness in, high, in places.
0: high places I'm here to declare to you today, that's our enemy that's who we're fighting against and he's out in full force he's trying every trick in the book right now, you hear your pastor it's not just you that's going through something, you hear me this entire church is under attack right now and we gotta recognize it and we gotta wake up to it this is a call to arms today this is a call to arms oh I feel the Holy Ghost right now this is a call to arms today hallelujah we better recognize the enemy's doing everything he can do. Every tool he has, he's using it right now. I, I, I've said often, I, I don't find a devil under every rock. I've, I've never been one to just, just uh, say everything that happens is demonic. There are some things that happen that are just life. Some things that happen because we're human. Uh, For most of you, well, no, not most of you, let me rephrase that. For some of us, our eyesight's getting worse, not because the devil's attacking us, just because we're getting older. Our hearing is uh, not as uh, acute as it once was, not because the devil's attacking us, but because we got a few more years and a few more miles on us. You hear me? Not everything is the devil But I am going to tell you Right now There is A spirit of infirmity Well There are spirits Of infirmity That are attacking The people of God You hear me? Some of what we're battling, I know it feels physical. It looks physical. It seems physical. But spiritual things can bring about physical results. And I'm here to tell you, we're fighting some spirits of infirmity. We're fighting some spirits of confusion. Some of you have been battling things in your mind and you're wondering why in the world am I even having these thoughts? Let me tell you why you're having the thoughts today. Some of you are are battling spirits of discouragement, amen, that the devil is telling you, I might as well quit. I might as well give up. I'm here to tell you, there's a reason why you're hearing those things. There's a reason why it's in your mind like that. There's an enemy out there, and he's hoping we're just going to hunker down in the rocks and the holes, and we're never going to wake up to the fact that we have got something inside of us that is greater than he could ever be he's hoping that we never come up out of those rocks and discover ourselves to the enemy and take after him he's hoping that we'll quit fighting he wants you to just give up he wants you to just get discouraged to just throw in the towel and say it's not worth oh i'm preaching to somebody today Hear me, hear me, hear me. All of this I'm 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 preaching to you. All of this you can ask. I, I don't know who all's on the media, but I had this posted last night, my scriptures posted last night about eleven o'clock. So so this, this 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 was all in the works late last night. But I'm gonna tell you the devil's doing what he can to bring division. Amen. He's trying to separate it, divide. It. It's just it's the enemy, it's the enemy, and we've gotta recognize it, we've got to understand. Understand what it is, church so many times over the last uh, two decades and a half uh, we've watched uh, the church start getting close to revival and the devil pulled out the same old tricks and it's worked every time every time every time but I'm calling on the true church we can't let it happen this time we gotta get up uh, and get a backbone about us uh, and say I'm gonna do something this time Uh, you're not winning this time devil Uh, we've never been this close Uh, we've never stopped on the brink the way we are right now and we're not backing down this time we're not giving up this time listen the very reason we're fighting what we're fighting and it's as intense as I've ever seen it in my life. And I don't say that lightly. I've been living for God for 50 years. That's a long time. But I don't know when I've ever as a pastor seen the, the intensity of spiritual battle that I'm seeing right now. I'm feeling it. Our pre-service prayer, we're struggling to have liberty. Our worship service. What happened to the freedom we had just a few weeks ago? I'll tell you what happened. The Philistines are taunting us. The Philistines are trying to get us to back down. I've stood in this pulpit and preached in the last few weeks and gone back to my office and said, Dear God, what happened? I didn't feel like we ever really broke through while I was preaching. Well, I know what happened. I know what's going on. I know what's, I know what's taking place. Hear me, saints. Hear me today. I'm telling you the devil is doing everything he can. He is coming in like a flood. He's coming in to try to stop us, to try to hinder us, to try to distract us, to try to divide us. to try to destroy us. We can't let it happen. Something's got to rise up inside of us. And here's the reason why. This is the reason why we're fighting what we're fighting right now. 1 Corinthians 16 verses 8 and 9.
1: But I will tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost.
0: Listen, Paul said, I'm gonna stay right here in Ephesus. Everyone say Ephesus. I'm staying right here in Ephesus until Pentecost. Why, Paul? Why are you staying in Ephesus?
1: For a great door. Because a great door. And effectual, and effectual is effectual open unto me. Is open unto me. And there are many adversaries. I'm
0: staying here because God's opened the door. God's opened the door, so I'm gonna stay here. I'm not going anywhere. Because God opened a door in Ephesus. So I'm going to stay right here. Now, he says this. He said, a great door and effectual is open unto me. What?
1: And there are and. many wait, adversaries. Wait,
0: a great door and effectual is open unto me. And, and. I pointed this out before. He didn't say a great door and effectual, but there are many adversaries. He said, and. See, Paul is making it clear, in my opinion, that any time there is a great and effectual door, there's not just going to be an adversary. There are going to be many. In fact, I believe the greater and more effectual the door, the more ferocious and numerous the adversaries. So you know why we're under a greater attack than we've ever been under? Because God's opened a greater door than he's ever opened. It's just up to us to fight our way through it. The devil can't close the door. But he can stop us from going through. We got to make up in our minds, saints of God. Now, 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 look. He said, he said, I'm staying right here at Ephesus. Because there's a great door. There's an effectual door that's open. And there are many adversaries. Now just how severe are these adversaries in Ephesus? Well, let's just back up one chapter. This This was 1 Corinthians 16. Let's back up one chapter and see what Paul says about what's going on in Ephesus. 1 Corinthians 15 Verse thirty-two:
1: If after the manner of men, I have fought with beasts I have fought at Ephesus, with beasts,
0: brother Larson, he didn't say, you know, I had to deal with a devil here and a the devil there. He said I took on beasts at Ephesus. Now, commentators are divided over what that means. Of course, those commentators, they don't have the mind of the spirit. They they don't understand spiritual things. I've said it before. I use them for word definitions because many of them do know the language better than I do. I'll trust them for a word definition. Uh, History, uh, many of them have dug far deeper into... History and manners and customs than I have, I'll trust them for some of that. When it comes to interpreting scripture, I don't trust anything they got to say. They're all divided about what this means the beast at Ephesus. Some say it's spiritual beasts, some say it was natural beasts. I do know it was a common thing, a common thing in Paul's day for Christians to be put into arenas and have to literally fight wild beasts. Now, I don't know if that's what he's talking about, but even if it is, there was a devil behind it. And I think that Paul's whole point here in, in making this reference, now he's, he's writing to them about the resurrection of the dead and he's, he's saying to them, what good did it do me to fight these beasts, to go through all this if, We're just going to die and it's over with. There's no resurrection anyhow. So he really doesn't explain what the beasts were. I tend to believe they were spiritual beasts. I tend to believe. We've talked about it before and I don't have time to go into it this morning. But just as we read in Ephesians 6, there are principalities. There are powers. There are spiritual high places. There are realms of spiritual authority and structure within the demonic spirits themselves. And I think I can prove that in the scripture. And I I have in time past. But I'm telling you, I believe that what Paul was saying is that he fought against the big devils in Ephesus. There was witchcraft going on in Ephesus. I've had to battle that before, believe it or not. Probably we're battling some of it right now. I know, I know some people don't believe in it. I'm not talking about women with pointed noses and long black hats and stern black cauldrons. I'm talking about real biblical witchcraft which is the manipulation of spirits. There are people that practice it. And I've, I've had it practiced against me. That trip to Africa when we saw the great breakthrough in June of 2013, on the very day we were getting ready to baptize that first crowd of 50 people in the name of Jesus. I was hit with the most severe migraine headache I'd ever felt in my life, nauseating pain. I'd never felt anything like it. It was as if somebody had put a metal band around my head, around my temples, and was just cinching it tighter and tighter and tighter and tighter until I thought my head would explode. Bishop Aston was there with me, and I explained to him what I was feeling. I mean, we were we were getting ready to go baptize these people, and Bishop Aston, who's from Africa, deals with this all the time. He said, he said to me, he said, Brother Regan, let me tell you, you've stirred up the spirits of Africa, and they've come against you. This is a spiritual attack. This is not physical. This is spiritual. I, I, I'm I'm telling you, I've in there, I've walked it. I know. I think that's what Paul is saying here. I've fought the beasts, I've fought the big devils. Satan pulled out the big guns. Uh, As I've shown you before, it was from Ephesus that all the word, all of the then known world heard the gospel. It was while Paul was at Ephesus, the devil knew what was going to be the results of this great and effectual door at Ephesus. And so he pulled out all the stops and he hit Paul with everything he could. I'm telling you, that's what's happening in Olathe, Kansas right now. And we need to recognize, we need to wake up. This is not the time to rest on our laurels this is not the time to start slacking up this is not the time to let up in our prayer life to let up in our Bible reading this is not the time to start getting lax about our church attendance this is not the time to let up in pre-service prayer or in worship while the singing's going on or while the preacher's preaching I'm telling you if we've ever been intense in our fight we gotta fight now we gotta fight with everything that's in us we gotta give it all we've got church we've gotta break through this once and for all there is a great and effectual door that is open to us but we gotta fight our way through it You're not going to win fighting half-heartedly. You're not going to win just putting a little bit of effort in. You're not going to win just trying to ride the fence. It's not going to work. Not in this battle. Not in this war. It's not going to work that way. And let me tell you, it's not going to work even if you make up your mind i'm going to fight with everything i've got you're not going to be successful you're not going to be successful if you try to fight without being full let me let me just really quickly and i've got a lot of scriptures here brother Goff. i've I've got a lot. I do not want to make this into a two-part series. I've got a lot of scriptures right now that I just want to read just, just to show you something. I, I, I titled this Full Enough to Fight. I want to tell you, I want to show you from the scripture that when it comes to God, God's preference is always that things be full. Let's go through these scriptures, and I'll try to go through them as quickly as I can. Leviticus chapter sixteen, verses twelve and thirteen.
1: And he shall take a censer full of burning coals of fire. He from shall al- take
0: a censer,
1: what? Full, full, full Of burning coals of, burning of fire coals. from off the fa- altar before the Lord, and his hands full of sweet incense beaten small, and bring it within the veil. And he shall put the incense upon the fire before the Lord, that the cloud of the incense may cover the mercy seat that is upon the testimony that he die not. The
0: censer has to be full. His hands have to be full. 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 3 to 7.
1: Then he said, Go, borrow these vessels abroad of all thy neighbors, even empty vessels. Borrow not a few. And when thou art come in, thou shalt shut the door upon thee and upon thy sons, and shall pour out into all those vessels, and thou shalt set aside that which set is aside full." Set aside
0: that which is
1: full. She, so she went out from him, and shut the door upon her and upon her sons, who brought the vessels to her. And she poured out. And it came to pass, when the vessels were full, When all of the vessels were full, that she said unto her son, Bring me yet a vessel. And he said unto her, There is not a vessel more. And the oil stayed. Then she came and told the man of God. And he said, Go, sell the oil and pay back thy debt, and live thou and thy children of the rest.
0: God wanted her to make sure every vessel was full. Matthew
1: chapter 13, verses 47 and 48. Again the kingdom of heaven is like unto a net that was cast into the sea and gathered of every kind. Which when it was full. When it was full. They drew it to shore. He didn't draw it to shore until it was full. And sat down and gathered the good into the vessels, but cast the bad away. Matthew 14, verses 20 and 21. And they did all eat. And the people did all eat. And were filled. And they were filled. And they took up of the fragments that remained 12 baskets full. They took 12 baskets full. And they that were eaten were about 5,000 men beside women and children. Yeah,
0: not counting women and children. 5,000 just men, not counting women and children. But they were all full, and the baskets that remained were full. Right. All
1: right, Matthew 15, verses 37 to 38. And they did all eat and were filled, and they took up of the broken meat that was left seven baskets full. And they did, and they that did eat were four thousand men besides women and children. And so, once again, just one chapter later, here we find four thousand,
0: and they were all filled, and they picked up what was left, and they filled the baskets. John chapter two verse seven.
1: Jesus saith unto them.
0: Jesus said to the
1: servants at the marriage supper or at the marriage feast, Fill the water pots with water.
0: Fill the water pots with water.
1: And they filled them up to the brim.
0: They filled them to the brim. That's the way God wants it. I'm telling you, God wants things full. Are you hearing me today? God doesn't want them half full or three quarters full. God wants them full. I want you to consider the story of the great feast. Luke chapter 14. We'll skip through some of these. Verse 16.
1: Then said he unto them, unto him, a certain man made a great supper. He made a great great supper.
0: He bade many. He invited many people. But when you read The Bible says that they all refused. They had different excuses. They couldn't come for this reason, for that reason. And so he looked around, and he wasn't happy. There were people there, but he wasn't happy.
1: Read verse 21. So that servant came and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house, house, being angry, said to his servant. Wait, wait, wait. Being what? angry Being what? Angry. He's angry. Read said to his servant. He said to the servant, "Go out quickly. Go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind."
0: Now, I want you to notice the attitude of the master. He was angry. What's he angry about? He's angry that his house is not full. Right. He wants it full. And so he said, go quickly. Don't waste time. Don't sit here and dilly-dally. Don't linger around. You get out there and you find anybody that's hungry, anybody that's willing to eat, and you fill this house. I don't care who they are. I don't care what their heritage. I don't care what their name. I don't care what their background. You just bring them in here. If they're hungry, you bring them in. I want this house
1: full. Verses 22 and 23. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded. And so he did what the Lord told him to do. And yet there is room. But yet,
0: now he's still, he's got a crowd, a bigger crowd than he did have.
1: But what did he say? And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out and You into go the back out
0: again into the highways and
1: hedges and, the hedges and compel and them. And you do whatever you've
0: got to do, but you get them here.
1: That my house, that my may, house be may be here filled I'm not
0: happy just that we've got a bigger crowd I'm not happy just that there are a few more people than what we started with I'm not gonna be happy until my house is filled I'm telling you God wants things full God wants things full God wants things full that goes for us God doesn't want us trying to live our spiritual life half empty pray once in a while read our Bible once in a while worship once in a while but I don't feel up to it today but I got problems today I got situations today No God wants us Full God wants me Full He wants you Full Oh somebody help me here today I'm telling you God knows the kind of battle we're having brother Hilton he knows a little bit of honey might have enlightened Jonathan's eyes a little bit of honey might have helped those soldiers but they needed more than just a little bit they needed more than just a taste they needed more than just a handful they needed to be full to fight the kind of battle they were facing they needed to be full true church I'm telling you we can got to be full. In this battle we've got to be full. There may have been a time when you could just kind of hang on, when you could just kind of hang around the periphery. There might have been a time when you could just be kind of on the fringes, but this is not that time. This is not that moment. This is not that hour. I'm telling you, the battle's raging, and God is calling together an army, but He's saying, if you're going to fight, you got to be full enough to fight. You got to have enough strength. You got to have enough. Power, you gotta have enough Holy Ghost. You gotta have enough Word. You gotta have enough. I, I want to call to your remembrance today. I'm. I want to call to your remembrance today. A well-known parable. Most of us at least know a little bit about this story. I want to show you something here in Matthew chapter 25. Jesus gives this parable. Verses 1 through 13, Matthew 25. Verses 1 through 13, if you want to Turn in your Bibles, Matthew 25, verses 1 through 13.
1: Listen to what Jesus says. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept.
0: Now, now, now let, me, let, me, let me stop. This is where knowing some of the customs of the day will help. Five were wise. Five were foolish. Those that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. Now, please understand, this doesn't mean that there was no oil in their lamp at all. They would not have had a lamp if there was not some oil in the lamp. There's no need to be carrying a lamp with no oil. Right? sir. If there's not some in it, why even carry it? it's doing no good. I submit to you, they had oil in the lamps, but they didn't take anything extra. They had enough for the moment. This was their job as a part of the bridal party. to light the way This was their obligation They had shown up with lamps that possessed oil But they thought what they had would be enough
1: All right Read. And at midnight, there was a cry made, Behold. Hang hang on. Because, let me just verify it. Because
0: verse 4, verse 4 says, But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. Do you see that? Not that they took oil in their lamps. They took oil in their vessels with their lamps. So all ten of them had oil in their lamps. But five took additional oil vessels. They prepared in case things took longer than they imagined.
1: All right, now read. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. And so, all,
0: and so, verse 5, they, the Bible says that the bridegroom tarried and, and all ten of them fell asleep. All ten of them had grown weary and even the, the wise fell asleep waiting for the bridegroom to come. But you see, as the night progressed... Now understand, to the Jews, night began 6 p.m. It was the beginning of a new day for them. And they didn't usually stay up like many of us. They didn't usually have second shifts and third shifts. six o'clock they're done have a meal and go to bed. So they may have been in bed by seven or eight. Even if they're sitting outside waiting for the bridegroom to pass by on his journey, seven or eight o'clock, they've got four or five hours before this cry goes forth. So you understand these candles have been burning this whole time. Four or five hours, the candles are using up the oil that's in them. And then at midnight, this cry goes forth, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. And then they arose and trimmed their lamps. They looked. Now look, they probably all had about the same size lamp. They got to looking at their lamp and they said, hmm, bridegroom's coming. They've been burning now for four or five hours. Not a whole lot of oil left in the lamp. We better do something about it. So they trimmed their lamps. They cut back, cut away any used wick. They refilled the lamps with the oil from the vessels they had brought.
1: Read. And the foolish said unto the wise the foolish said to the wise Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. We we, we prepared for the night
0: to last longer than we imagined, but we didn't prepare
1: for you too. But go ye rather to them that sell. So and you're gonna buy have to yourselves.
0: go and try to find somebody that you can buy from.
1: And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Now,
0: now, here's what I want to point out to you in all of this. If you're getting the picture the way that I'm describing it to you, all ten of them were asleep. All ten of them hear the cry, of the bridegroom's coming. The wise look at their lamps and realize we got a problem. Because this has got to stay lit Now he may be coming But we still don't know exactly When he's going to get here But we got to do something And so they trimmed their lamps And the five foolish Said to the five wise Give us some of that oil You brought with us Now the King James Says it this way This is verse 8 For our lamps are gone out But when you look at it in the original Greek, it's not in the past tense. In the original Greek, what they're saying is our lamps are going out. There's still a little bit of a fire there. There's still a little bit of a wick, a little bit of oil down inside of this. But they are going out and they're probably not going to last In fact, they were so convinced the lamps would not last that they left, remember, they'd heard this cry, at midnight. There's not a 24-7 Walmart. There's not a quick trip. They're going to have to wake somebody up to try to get this. But they're so convinced, they know when they look inside that lamp, there's not enough to get me through the rest of this night. So if I have to go wake somebody up to get some more oil, then that's what i got to do. And they left to do it. Their lamps had not gone out, but they were going out. I want to tell you, church, that's what concerns me about the latter day church. I worry that people grow content because they can still see a little bit of a flicker. They worry because there's still a little bit of a heat. You get enough people shouting and they can run too. You get enough people talking in tongues and they feel some goosebumps too. My lamp's not out. But is there enough oil to get you through the long night that's ahead? that's the question I've got for you not is it still alive is it still burning my question is do you have enough to keep on from now until you don't need it anymore I don't know if they were successful. I just know they came back. But by the time they got back, it was too late. And the Lord said, I don't even know who you are. Stop knocking at the door. You're not getting in. Oh, listen to me, saints. This is what happens when you don't stay full. God wants us to be full don't just come to church and eat a little bit of honey once in a while don't just come to church and get enough of the Holy Ghost to keep you through the service and to bring you back to the next service I'm telling you we're in the midst of a battle and you better have enough strength that when you wake up tomorrow you can fight the devil you better eat enough you better pray enough you better talk in tongues enough you better read the scripture enough that when the devil hits you at work on Tuesday you can look him him eyeball to eyeball and say to him devil I'm not backing down I'm not giving up I'm not quitting you better be full enough To fight whenever he throws a punch. He doesn't fight fair. He doesn't fight fair. He's going to catch you at an unsuspecting moment. He's going to catch you when you're down. He's going to catch you when you're having financial trouble. Oh, you're having physical problems. He's going to catch you when your job looks shaky. I'm telling you, he's going to throw a punch when you're not looking. He doesn't fight fair. The devil is the master of the sucker punch, he knows. He knows. He knows when you're not looking. He knows when you're not aware. He knows when you're unsuspecting. And that's when he doubles up his fists. And that's when he hits you the hardest. Well, I'm telling you the truth. So there's only one way that you're going to get through this you've got to get full enough to fight at any moment at the drop of a hat I'm telling you when our soldiers are at war and they're out there if, they, if things die down in the night and their officers tell them you can go try to get a few hours sleep you hear me that's not a guarantee it's conditional because if the bullets start flying And the bombs start dropping. I've seen pictures of them jumping up out of bed in their undergarments and running out to the battlements, putting their weapons on the wall and firing dressed the way they were. Because you don't have a chance. You can't say, hold on, wait a minute. I need to brush my teeth. I gotta comb my hair. I I gotta get my armor on. Hang on, hang on, hang on. No, 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 Any time the enemy starts fighting, you're just going to have to get ready to fight. And I'm going to tell you, too many people, too many people in the Church of the Living God, think the devil's going to wait until they get all their ducks in a row, and then he's going to come attack you. You just wait, devil. you just wait. One of these days I'm going to be praying enough that I'm going to really be able to fight you, and I'm going to put you in your place. He's not going to wait. In fact, the very admission that you're not ready right now is his signal to go ahead. And every time you admit you're not ready, he hears it and he takes note and he's gonna punch you again. So you know what you gotta do? You gotta get full enough to fight. Every moment of every day. Full enough, full enough. Ephesians five, verse 18.
1: And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the spirit. Be what? Filled.
0: Be what? Filled. Be what? Filled. Be what? Filled. Be what? Filled. Come on, saints. You gotta be filled. You got to be filled. I'm going to tell you, I'm getting ready to open these altars. But listen to me, saints of God, everybody under the sound of my voice ought to find themselves a place to pray today. Every one of us ought to be checking our spiritual gas tanks. Right. Yes, yes, yes. You know, we talk about how gas prices have gone through the roof. I've, I've, I've learned a little secret, Brother Goff. I've learned a little secret Once I bite the bullet and fill the tank up I don't like it to get more than about a quarter low And then I go fill it up again And then if I'll just pay for a quarter of a tank at a time I don't feel the pain quite as much If I run that whole tank out And go fill it up And it's fifty or sixty or seventy dollars. That hurts. If I can go and just put a quarter of a tank in, and it's twenty bucks, I don't feel so bad. And I'm going to tell you, here's the problem: some of us have been living way too close to empty, and now the battle's raging, and we're trying to get on full, and it's costing us, and it's hurting and if we're not careful we'll grow weary in well doing and we'll say what's the use but hear your pastor today if you'll pay that price and get full today it's not nearly as hard to stay full as it is to get full when you're empty it can be done You can get full when you're empty, but it's a lot more difficult, and it's going to cost you a lot more sacrifice to get to that point. But listen to me, saints. If we'll pay the price, if we'll get full, it's amazing what happens as a result of us being full enough to fight. Listen to this from the book of Acts, and I'm closing with these two verses: Acts 4, and verse 31. Acts 4 and 31 says this:
1: When they had prayed, they had prayed the place was shaken. The place
0: was shaken. Where
1: they were assembled. Where they were together, assembled together. And they were all filled. And they were all filled.
0: They were all filled. They were all filled. Were all filled, filled
1: with the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost. And they spake the word of and God with And they spake boldness. the word of God with boldness
0: because they were full now they were ready to fight they had just been called in by the council some of them had been beaten they had been threatened they had been told don't say another word in this name they said you know what we got to fight on our hands we can't fight on empty we gotta go get full. And so they prayed until they were all filled. And once they were filled, they got out there and they started fighting. And you know what happened? Let's read the very next chapter. Acts five, verse twenty-eight.
1: Saying, Did not we straightly Didn't command we you, straightly
0: you command you
1: that ye not, you should, not, you teach should not teach in this name?
0: Teach in this name?
1: And behold, behold, ye have filled, you have filled Jerusalem, Jerusalem with your doctrine with this doctrine. And intend to bring this man's blood upon us.
0: Oh God, wouldn't it be something if every saint at the truth church got filled, filled with the Holy Ghost today. And in just a few short days, I'm getting phone calls from the city council you filled this city with your doctrine i'm getting calls from the school board you filled the school district with your doctrine i'm getting calls from places of business you have filled our businesses with your doctrine oh granite jesus we got a fight on our hands. we got a battle ahead of us, church, but we can win this fight. We can win this fight if we'll just get full enough. Is anybody going to do anything about this message today? Does anybody feel like you need to respond today? Let's everybody stand. Anybody feel a tug at your heart, your spirit today? God, I want to be full enough to fight. I want to be full enough to fight. Oh, let's talk to him. Come on, we need to seek God. We need to really get a hold of God today. God, I don't want just a touch. I don't want to go home just feeling a little better. I want to leave here full today. Fill it it up, Lord. I want to be full, Jesus.